Hello, my name is Dr. Paul Wheatley-Price, a medical oncologist and president of Lung Cancer Canada. Welcome to our podcast series called Lung Cancer Voices. In this series of podcasts, I'm interviewing patients, caregivers, healthcare professionals, some of the leading lung cancer researchers in the country, indeed in the world, to highlight important and relevant issues facing those affected by lung cancer. In this latest Lung Cancer Voices podcast, I'm sitting down with three uh, RNs, three nurses who all work with lung cancer patients and help care for lung cancer patients, but have different roles and different uh, perspectives. And so this is a really exciting podcast. And so I'm going to ask them each to just introduce themselves and then we'll get on with the pod. Hi, my name is Kelly Zibrick. I'm a registered nurse and I work as the triage nurse coordinator at the Vancouver Center in BC. Hi, I'm Bonnie Leung. I'm a nurse practitioner working with lung cancer patients at the BC Cancer Vancouver Center as well. Hi, I'm Leslie Markin and I'm the clinical trials nurse coordinator at BC Cancer Vancouver. Great. Thank you. So um, early diagnosis in the clinic and in research. Um, so Kelly, I'm going to come back and start with you. Um, so let's take the scenario that uh, a, a patient has seen uh, their family doctor or another specialist and that uh, physician thinks they might have lung cancer and so they're making a referral to the cancer center. So if I'm right, this is where you pick them up and you start to get involved. So what what happens? Yes, exactly. That's a very typical situation um, that would across my desk is we would have a patient um, with a suspected lung cancer diagnosis based on imaging. Um, And so my job is to basically be the bridge between the patient and the clinicians at our center um, and help the patient uh, get worked up in an expedient manner to make sure that uh, they get a tissue diagnosis and that we can easily help expedite their care um, up to the oncologist. And, and what's your, um, is that a technical role that you're ordering tests and booking things or is it, um, are you uh, like right alongside the patient kind of guiding them through it and meeting with them and talking with them? It's a little bit of both. Um, I actually have a fairly unique role. Um, there are other nurse navigators who do do triage um, across Canada, but in BC, I'm actually the only one who is doing uh, lung cancer triage. So I work very closely with the radiation oncologist, which at our center is the type of doctor who would review a case and decide what other tests are needed prior to seeing the oncologist. And I'm also the patient liaison to help guide them through and provide explanation for why additional testing might be needed, but also to address um, upfront symptom concerns and make sure those are known to the oncology team prior to the consultation appointments happening. So um, let's say someone in my family um, is being referred uh, and they know that they're being referred. What, how long would it be until you get in touch with them? Um, typically, once a referral is received, I'm in touch with them within the first one to two days after the referral gets processed by the admitting team. Um, and the purpose of that is just to facilitate a point of communication because a lot of people are in a very anxious or a very anxiety-provoking time because they have been told, generally speaking, that they have a strong suspicion of having a cancer diagnosis and not a lot of information beyond that. So my role is multifaceted in terms of trying to help contextualize what's going on for the patient and give them some direction about what to expect in the coming time between uh, when I've spoken to them and when they can expect to see an oncologist and what other tests we're going to be arranging for them. So I imagine that's a pretty crucial role because certainly my experience in the clinic is 
a lot of patients when they get to see me as an oncologist, even if I give them bad news, they're almost relieved because at least they've got some news because yeah. this period of uncertainty that you're yeah, dealing exactly. with is, is really bad. And yeah? I think the biggest thing that I hear from patients and families ahead of even getting into whatever discussion points we're going to be talking about is thank you for calling because like many specialist referrals, sometimes the referral goes out and your doctor tells you, oh, I've referred you to such and such and nobody hears anything. And it can be sometimes days or weeks that elapse. Um, but I think particularly for cancer diagnoses, specifically lung cancer diagnoses, there's a sense of urgency for patients wanting to know that there is a plan in place and that somebody's actually looking after um, their steps of care to ultimately get them up to a point where they can see an oncologist and get some answers. Right. Yeah, that, that sense that um, you're not forgotten, we've, we've got this covered, and I'll, I'll guide you through it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. that somebody's looking okay. after them. And then I think also having a point of contact, so somebody that they know that if something changes with perhaps their symptoms or you know, other logistical scenarios sometimes come up. I mean, they all have lives that are going on aside from their cancer diagnosis as well. So if we need to change the plan to accommodate those, then they know that uh, they have a way to reach out and communicate that to the team um, so that we are best, we're providing the best care that's inclusive of all their needs. Great. Thank you. So so now they, they get their diagnosis and um, they're now in the clinic meeting with the physician with the maybe with the oncologist and the, but it's a multidisciplinary team and so um bonnie um this is where you come in so where where do you pick up from kelly also i often see the patients um, with their first visit either with a radiation oncologist or a medical oncologist so that they also have an extra point of contact on top of the physician team um, so a lot of times I am going over the results with them more thoroughly, trying to answer some of their questions ahead of time so that they're more prepared when they're seeing the physician, if they have any additional more technical questions that they could ask them and feel more comfortable with getting more information. And so after their initial appointments with the oncology team, when they're on active treatments, I'm also an extra point of contact should they have any symptoms or side effects that need managing, if they have any uh, psychosocial needs that require additional referrals to specialty teams such as social worker, nutrition, um, community health nurses, palliative care team. I also try to help coordinate these, these so cares. You, so you're then really working as really a central part of that multidisciplinary team coordinating, giving advice on symptoms uh, or side effects of treatment? Is that your role? It's part of my role. I think um, nurse practitioners have a bit of a unique situation because we come with the many hats that traditional registered nurses wear when they are providing medical care, but we have the additional clinical medical training to help support patients. So on top of guiding them or counseling them through some of the symptom management or supportive care, we can also prescribe and order additional tests that are needed to help them through the difficulties that they're going through. Prescribe, are you prescribing the chemotherapy or are you prescribing 
morphine drugs and both all, actually everything so, so we get additional training to uh prescribe chemotherapy in british columbia uh, where we don't initiate the first treatment but we can renew the, the chemotherapy orders or the targeted therapy orders and we can help monitor and assess whether they are doing well with these treatments or not and often if there is a change in treatment we will refer the patient back to the medical oncologist so that they could reassess and recommend additional treatments in the future so so if i've got my patient flow correct in vancouver then so kelly will initially start the navigation the diagnosis get them through the oncologist would then maybe give the the guidance as to this is the recommended treatment and then you're really then largely guiding them through that course of treatment correct right so do you want to come and work with me? <laughs> so. I think you'll have to talk to the physicians I work with first. <laughs> um, right. So uh, now it, we're here at the Canadian Lung Cancer Conference and we're hearing a lot about uh, research and, um, you know, some of the newest uh, initiatives and newest treatments and they all come from clinical trials. And so, uh, Leslie, you have the role of... Um, lung cancer patients who are then going to enroll in in clinical trials what can you take me through your your place in the team sure i typically get a phone call from the medical oncologist who says i have a potential patient that might fit the clinical trial that you are offering at the time and from then i will meet the patient and discuss the trial typically i'm involved with the consent process informing the patient of the potential treatment and risks, making sure they understand what a trial entails and the commitment from the patient as well as uh, what we will provide from the center. I'm call, I call myself the middleman with the trials team and the physician and the patient. I often tell people when you're on clinical trials and study during your treatment, if you have issues, to contact the center, and I'm typically the first person they will call. I jokingly say it is much easier to get a hold of a nurse than it is to contact the doctor. So that's true here as well as uh, where I work. Um, so, um, so maybe I just make sure I get this right. So if somebody is not on a research study and they have questions about their treatment or side effects, they would call Bonnie working in the clinic, but if they're on a research study, um, then they'd be calling you. That's right. I would, I substitute the nurse hotline or the patient help line. And I guess it's, it's comforting for patients and family to know that they can put a name to a face and they'll know that they'll be able to call me directly on my phone. I work typically Monday to Friday, office hours per se, and they're informed how to call the clinic after hours. As everyone knows, nobody becomes ill Monday to Friday, nine to five. Right, exactly. Yeah, half past five, Friday afternoon, my experience. Um, tell me, how, do you, how did you, when, when you train as an, as an RN, how, do you, how did you get into research? I started off actually working in the chemotherapy unit and I often administered medications that were involved with a clinical trial. And I had a colleague who says, hey, maybe you might want to join the team. This is a great place to work. And I said, never say never, but I 
at that time didn't envision myself as a nurse coordinator. Um, but I did join the team and I have no regrets to that. There's a lot of training that is involved. We must comply with ethics and what the study protocol mandates as well as what Health Canada tells us to do. Right. Yeah, the red tape around running a clinical trial safely and appropriately is a a lot. You mentioned there, actually, um, I I thought maybe we could branch out because we've talked about three different roles of nursing in research and in nurse practitioner in the clinic and as as a navigator at the beginning. You mentioned a fourth one there that you used to work in the chemotherapy treatment unit um what what's what, what's the nursing role in actually delivering treatments uh, so you know the oncologist or, or the nurse practitioner would prescribe it and then well as a nurse we're assigned to a certain number of patients we check the protocol of how the drug is administered we're also checking dosing and lab results and we have protocol that we follow and we just want to make sure that we deliver the drug safely, making sure that the dose is accurate and the patient is fit to receive the drug. Okay, so nurse navigators in the treatment unit, in the clinic, uh, nurse practitioners in research. Um, Bonnie, back to you. What, what other roles do nurses have in looking after lung cancer patients? Well, we, other than what the nurses are, who the, the nurses that are found in the cancer center, there are a lot of nurses that work in the community as well or in other community hospitals where services are not available at BC Cancer. For example, the community home health nurses work very closely with us, um, as oftentimes patients can be quite symptomatic or require auxiliary help, such as having occupational therapy and physiotherapy at home. So uh, working with these community nurses to make sure that the patients are being followed and also being a way to liaise with not just the cancer team but also with their family doctor or their uh, primary care provider or nurse practitioners um, are very important in in cancer care. So home care, um, presumably there's an, do you have an inpatient unit? We do have an inpatient unit that is primarily reserved for patients who are getting uh, chemotherapy treatments or if they need extra symptom management that um, they're not coping or thriving at home. Um, but most of the time, if there are symptom management issues, we do tend to uh, defer patients to go back to their uh, community hospitals where there are palliative care units. Okay. And then maybe we're kind of coming full circle here. So back to you, Kelly. Um, uh, so we've heard that you know patients will then go back to the community hospitals, maybe also at home, receive home care nursing. Um, are there nurse navigators that help people through palliative care or even end-of-life care? I think in BC or at least in the local community in Vancouver, there's a lot of nurse practitioners who help people navigate that portion of the journey. They certainly have um, a lot of palliative care nurses that do work in the community and will follow patients with home visits as they transition to end of life care um, alongside physicians as well. Um, So that's certainly a, a pretty big component of the care that we give for our lung cancer patients. Great. Well, thank you very much, uh, Kelly, Bonnie, and Leslie. Uh, I think we've learned um, really that uh, it's a multidisciplinary team that looks after patients with lung cancer from uh, diagnosis all the way through their treatment, uh, through research studies, uh, hopefully to the point that they're cured. 
Um, but if they're not cured, then then with support relief for the rest of their life. And um, I, w- I would say that when I moved to um, Ottawa 10 years ago, I think the, the single thing that made my life um, in the clinic uh, enjoyable was uh, Suzanne Jolly, who was the nurse I worked with for, for, for nine and a half years. And I'm still in a bit of uh, mourning because she retired about six months ago. Um, but we have terrific nurses in our center uh, that um, provide world-class, compassionate care, which it seems like uh, is happening for patients here in Vancouver too. So thank you very much. Um, if you're listening to this podcast and you have questions, um, maybe reach out to the nurses in your clinic or, uh, or to your healthcare team. Thank you again. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks to our producer, Ryan Mullen. Please send us your feedback, like and follow us on Facebook at LungCan, on Twitter at LungCancer underscore Can, and on Instagram at LungCancerCanada. For more information about lung cancer or to donate, volunteer or share your story, visit our webpage at lungcancercanada.ca.